0: Hey, Tommy from The Run Testers with another monthly podcast. In this episode, we are going to be talking about running watches. So everything you need to know about buying a running watch from Battery Life and all the features to make sure that the watch that you're spending your hard-earned money on is right for you. There's also an interview with Puma athlete Edna Kiplagat, who is one of the all-time great marathon runners with wins at some of the biggest events around the world, including Boston, London, New York and World Championships. So I'll be talking to her a bit about her training, about her run in the recent Boston Marathon and lots of other stuff as well. So that's halfway through the podcast. We'll also be answering a load of your questions that you've posted to us on the channel. So if you've sent us a question, it might be in there. Right, let's jump in and do the podcast. So guys, podcast, a bit of a momentous one because about three seconds before we joined the call, we hit 50,000 subscribers, which was not planned. (laughs) uh, I've been sitting by my mic for days waiting for this. What do you mean? A nice welcome, uh, welcome treat for us. So halfway to that plaque. That YouTube plaque? Yeah. What colour do you get that... first? I think it's like the bronzy one first, isn't okay. it? Silver, silvery one. Who's getting the plaque? Shotgun, the plaque? Yeah, oh, who gets it? Yeah.
1: Well, we, you get a rotor. You, you
0: only get one, and then you have to order the, the duplicates, don't you? Okay. Uh, I've already researched it. I've already investigated it. Like, <laughs> <Nice. laughs> the only reason I do any of this. <laughs> Three years away at this point, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I guess I worked it out. I estimated it to be like uh, two, two, two in a little bit, oh, okay. like two in a month at like. our current
2: rate. Hmm.
0: OK, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll put a, uh, a celebratory sound effect on to uh, commemorate the occasion. Please do. Right. Well, let's let's jump into uh, what we've all been up to. It's not often we get four of us on the
2: on, the, on, yeah, the, on the podcast. Yeah, I realize mean, we haven't said who's here, have we?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. To, for For listeners, we've got the whole whole bunch of chaps on. All the chaps. Tom, yeah. Kieran, Nick and Mike. So nice treat for you there. Well, I should say that now. Might not be. <laughs> um Well let's let's jump into uh training and stuff. We've been up to quite a lot recently,
2: haven't we? Well some of us have.
0: Nick, you've just done London Marathon. Do you want to kick us off on your training, what you've been up to, what the London Marathon was like?
2: Oh, London Marathon was London Marathon was brilliant. I ran a lot quicker than I expected. Did the first half with a mate. Very wet first half, actually. I kind of looking back didn't realise that, but I spent a lot of the marathon avoiding manhole covers I was worried I was going to slip on. But yeah, first half quite relaxed. Kicked on second half and ran two thirty three. So very chuffed with that all round. Training's been a bit weird. I haven't that was, so that my marathon was. So I've only done one long run this year, and that was. 24k so the marathon was my longest run since Valencia and um, so I was really surprised I had the legs but I wasn't reasonable shape got back into some shorts and <laughs> shape did the Essex road relays 4.8k got a 4.8k pv in the relays relays are the best I've decided this now I only really want to do relays now they're the best races uh, it's the most fun run much harder much more exciting uh, you know get to stay and cheer so yeah it's been a fun month. they also did the southern relay so lots of relays relay based month how about you yeah, guys I've, ne- I've never seen many relays I-, I went
0: to do part parkrun a couple of weeks ago and then brighton phoenix were doing relays in the park didn't know about it so yeah oh wow didn't get the invite hurtful <laughs> well i just ignored the invites <laughs> um <but>
2: yeah <clears throat> yeah i'm desperate to do a relay they seem to be like the the in thing at the moment you run so hard i went out the relay i was on the first leg and i just didn't want to lose the leaders too much so i went out in the first k and ran i think like a 252 first k i looked at my watch and went nope <laughs> okay that's <laughs> a shame uh, but yeah just gradually slower but didn't lose too much distance but yeah in the end we I think we were fifth in Essex Orion and at the Southerns we got absolutely battered because the standard of running when you go to an event like the Southern Relays is in so the Highgate Harriers' C team beat us like their B team had quite a lot of like sub 15 5k runners and stuff like that in it and it's ridiculous how many good runners there are around
0: nice all right well what have you got any, you are training for anything about no you, you can't can you? you you you've got other things on the horizon you need to other focus things, on yeah I,
2: once once those other things arrive i imagine training will be different i'll be still be running a bit to review stuff but probably go to short distances for a while all right still got to work on this window where i might slowly get
0: close to your times are they going to happen? <laughs> I've got long enough. I've got. I need about five years. Uh, all right, Kieran, your your training looks a little bit different than ours at the moment.
3: Yeah, so I'm I'm basically training for the comrades marathon. So I've basically got a 55 mile ultra, which contains, I think, about 55 miles of hills in it. So I think I was looking today. There's there's some crazy like 3,000 meters of elevation in a 55 mile road ultra. So. I'm supposed to be trying to find hills to run up and down. I've actually had a cold, so I've done none of that. I have Mm -hmm. done about thirty weighted squats in the gym, so that's gonna make all the difference.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: I'm fixed, that's it. I mean I've got I know with this race I've got the distance. That's not gonna be a problem. I'm terrified of how my quads are going to hold up on the 17th downhill stretch for this. So I'm actually mm. going to go, next up, I'm going to go to the, um, one of the Adidas Terex races, the Maverick races down in Exmoor. Uh, it's nice. near my best mite where I grew up in sort of North Devon. And that one has a huge amount of elevation in, I think, around 54 kilometers. So that's going to be very hurty. It's in Linton and Lynmouth, which if you know the area down there, it's basically kind of vertical along the coast. It's famous for having a massive flood there because all the water rolled right down those massive great steep hills. But um, so I'll be back in my, my own kind of home territory, places that I probably should have run when I was a kid, but never did.
0: Really good events, those uh, Maverick events. I did a couple last year.
3: Yeah, they're really well put together. They're they're actually really excellent. There's like, I love the fact there's there's sort of four or five distances on this. So you can choose whether or not you go the ultra or you do a marathon. Well, there's a few shorter ones. So nice mix. They have good food, good beer. Yeah, it's a good spirit. So um this mm. one should be good fun. It'd be nice to be. So back how long home. until Comrades? Comrades is June the 11th. So I've got. It's one of those where when I booked in, it feels ages away, and all of a sudden it's like six weeks. Very close. Very close. Very Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm planning a park time. run
2: in June at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, I'd look at 10K the yeah. day, June, June 12th. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. It's, um, I, I'm already thinking about tapering, so I don't really. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. And but then, uh, should... Mike, you're. Your training's not quite as uh, positive, is it? Uh, No,
1: here he is. No. Um, (laughs) No, I've definitely been in recovery mode, basically. I've not been able to run massively over the last couple of months. I was meant to be doing London, pulled out, probably realising I wasn't going to be able to do it probably about six weeks ago. Had a weird first proper running injury, I had to go to a physio and actually say, well, this is not fixing. So it's kind of had a weird kind of hip pelvis imbalance, which I have saw a lot of runners have dealt with. It's kind of overuse and... Yeah, it's just been in a rehab program. I have been doing a bit more running. First week this week, what I've been able to do, or last week, I've been able to do some consecutive runs. So progress is being made and feeling a lot better. Gutted about London, basically escaped London for the weekend. I couldn't face it, ultimately. <laughs> but yeah, so things are looking better, definitely. Hopefully, I'll be back on with proper testing. I've got you know shoes piling up at the moment. And I am aiming to get fit and ready for Hackney half, which is next next month, so I've got about four four weeks, which you know. I mean I can run that I can I know I can run it, it's just you know what time I'm gonna do that racing, but that's kind of what I'm giving myself a target for and then trying to find an autumn marathon to replace London basically so mm. if anyone's got any good ideas. Get to Abingdon <laughs> wouldn't <we're laughs> one yeah. Yeah maybe I can join at Abingdon. Go run Dorney Lake <laughs> Tom's doing Dorney Lake. Oh, is that the lapped one?
0: Well, I'm doing Dorney Lake. <laughs> I'm still hope, desperately hoping that I can get a place in Berlin. If I don't, if I forget a place in Berlin, I'm not doing Dorney Lake. But
2: um Tom's yeah. getting real serious. He's got a coach now. Big, big effort in auto marathon, and Dorney Lake yeah. is looking like the speediest option. I'd say.
0: Yeah, I'm a bit worried Jesus. about Dorney Lake. I've I've done the half marathon there before, and it was
3: so windy. Mm. It's Wasn't, hell. What,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> least place
3: to run. Yeah, yeah. It's about I've done s- the half there, and it's like yeah, fifty percent of the time you. You can't hear yourself. You did it did, Nick, didn't Nick? you? You did it, didn't you? Oh, oh I ran two twenty nine. there, wasn't that big
2: Did <laughs> <laughs> you get it on a good day, though? It was pretty wet and windy, but it was, um, I don't know, I think in the marathon, I've done, I've done a windy day and a half and it was worse than the marathon because you're running a little bit quicker, obviously. Marathon I did wasn't full loops, either it was like horseshoe, so maybe it was slightly shorter into the wind each time, but it was okay. I think if you get a clear day there, if you're just trying to put down a time, there aren't actually many fantastic options if you're in great shape. Like, Avon is a good one, but it sounds like you're going there with the lads, Tom, which might end up being not so cool. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think they're
0: going to meet me there on the day. Okay. So hopefully... I could go. I can go serious on that one. Not like Barcelona, where
1: no sabotage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want another
2: Barcelona for
0: at least another ten months.
2: I don't know if I was going all that. If I was getting a coach now and getting going, I'd be iron up Valencia myself, having a nice summer of speed, starting training for the marathon in the autumn. Well, I'm, doing... I'm
0: still going to spend the next couple of months working on this Berlin yeah. place. But uh, yeah. yeah, cool. All right, then let's dive into a bit of kit news. <laughs> Okay, so running kit news, not loads that we've got to update on this month, a few, a couple of big ones, and I've got quite a lot to talk about, well, I can't <laughs> talk about, um, but let's start with the Vaporfly 3. We have got a first run up on the channel on this, but we not really got a lot of videos up on it. We're going to be hammering that soon with all sorts of videos. I've just been out for my first run in it. Enjoyed uh, it? Uh, I mean, it, was a, it was an easy 60-minute run. Oh, right. um, and I, 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 it's been a while since uh, i've done an easy run in a vaporfly because why would i <laughs> <And> i just wanted <laughs> to break it in to make sure it didn't uh on my because i'm going to use it for a uh, half marathon on sunday okay. working half marathon so i wanted to test just make sure it fit nicely but i did i do realize that when you run in the alpha fly that's quite comfortable at slow pace but the vaporfly doesn't really do a lot um so yeah i'm going to use it for track tomorrow as well
2: but yeah nick you've you done a bit more running in it yeah, I did London in it. I've done about 100k in it now. I'll get the review up this week. Um, so I won't go into too much detail now, but yeah, it's it's excellent. It's actually better than I thought it was going to be. I, I assumed it was going to be very good, but I did notice a bit more of a difference <laughs> compared to the Vaporfly 2 in just how much kind of cushy it is. It is a little bit more comfortable while mm. still being ridiculously light. And, you know, so it's been I've done a 4.8k race in it and the marathon in it. Loved it for both. I'm still saying, you know, it's got the same problem that all carbon shoes are going to have these days, which is... It comes out in a market where you can get any number of brilliant shoes in sales for a lot less, including the Vaporfly 2 or the Adios Pro 3, Metaspeed Sky Plus. You can get those for a lot less. You know, I think I personally have enjoyed the shoe more than any other carbon shoe, uh, but it's, it's a marginal thing and it's a lot more expensive. So I think it's brilliant. I really have loved it. But I don't know. I just don't think we're ever going to get that leap again. Do you, I mean, you must all remember the first time you used the Vaporfly compared to what you were using before like you know the Adios mm. Boston and, and you know, that ridiculous leap in performance that you now don't really get because they're all really, really good. Um mm. But it's still brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm hoping I, I notice a bit more from it when I run at, at pace on Sunday than, uh, than I did today. It was fine today. Just didn't really... Not much point to wow. it, is it? Yeah. Not much point. Exactly. <laughs> I should have had more V4s on. Um, all right. Uh, so plenty of uh, Vaporfly 3 content coming up on the channel soon. We've also got some new Garmin's as well tested these. Mike, you're, you're the go-to yeah.
1: this? Both, both, both on my wrist, the 965 and the 265. So I was kind of playing a little bit of catch up uh, in terms of testing with the other guys, but I have had them both now in to test. And obviously, the big story here is the fact that. Garmin has added an AMOLED display. So obviously we had that on the Epics and the Venue series. And this is about bringing it to the Forerunner range as well. And crucially, trying to maintain the good battery life along with the other features that you had on the 955 and the 255. And I think ultimately, and obviously we've got videos on the channel, we've got a comparison video, we'll have a full review, the 965, we've got 265 review on the channel as well. I think for me, I think they've managed to deliver that generally very, very well. I think managed to give that very good battery life and you've still got that strong run tracking performance. And I think obviously you are looking at spending a little bit more, more money, I think, on the 265 side of things compared to the previous version. But I do think in terms of executing something where Garmin is trying to play, you know, trying to offer a bit more of a smartwatch experience, in terms of that um, hardware, I think it's it's done a very good job. And I think it's a positive thing for Garmin in general. I think for people who wanted running watches, that felt a little bit more like smartwatches. And I think it's very interesting to see how that's going to develop um, mm. over time.
0: Some videos up on the channel at the moment, aren't we, about those? But yep.
2: um, I think yeah. there's more to come. I think the 965, uh, it was... Pretty, uh, I think DC Roman called it a very safe play from Garmin. I think the 955 was kind of the best pound for pound watch in Garmin's range, and it yeah. just did everything that the top watches did. and They went, Well, we'll make an AMOLED version, and they've not actually yeah. increased the price. I've actually found with the 965, I have been getting seven days of battery life, even while running 80 90k a week, and I was only getting about eight days with the 955. So I'm a bit surprised mm-hmm. how good the battery life is. It's, it's, it seems like Garmin is pitching its battery life numbers correctly whereas you know some brands don't they 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 oversell it or get it wrong so yeah i've been really impressed with it um at both of those watches uh, i do like an AMOLED screen it's so it's one of those things, we live in the UK, so especially when it's <laughs> cloud cover, they're brilliant screens. I mean, on very sunny yeah. days, when you're wearing sunglasses, maybe there's a bit less visibility there, but I still think they're yeah. pretty visible, and then they're a lot easier to see indoors and stuff. A
0: lot yeah. of discussion going on in the comments about AMOLED screens at the moment. Mm. Hot topic.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, Garmin's basically just, but what they've done is, like they are just given it as another option. It's like another option in the range. Yeah. but. With the 965, that is the 255 not having readiness yeah. is still a bugbear of mine. I don't like that because then it's not really a you've got to choose another difference between <laughs> the watches, which isn't fair,
1: yeah. And it's <laughs> well, definitely I, a reaction, it's definitely a reaction to the Apple Watch as well. I think I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. uh, well, it well.
0: looks well, the 965 <laughs> looks absolutely fantastic. Hmm. Yeah. Desperate to get that on my wrist for a bit, um, <laughs> but yeah, it looks, looks very nice. Uh, so other than that, there's not really loads that we've got kit was the, the the uh Pegasus forty is of course out now which I think Jane's the only one who has got at the moment. Is that right?
1: Yeah I'm waiting for mine but um I think generally it's mm. really kind of upper changes on on the front. I mean it's it's gonna be very similar. I ex- I expect it to be very similar in terms of experience of the previous Pegasus yeah. with some changes in the upper department I think. Okay.
0: And the only other bit of news which is probably quite interesting is On's new shoe. The, uh, well, it's a bit of a confusing one. This one because On's got a new shoe out, which we've seen people t- testing out on social. But then, of <laughs> course, it was the shoe that won Boston. Uh, that the, the the first um, uh, female winner of Boston uh, was wearing an On shoe. But it doesn't look like the same shoe, does it?
2: No, and the one that Chris Thompson was wearing at the London Marathon doesn't quite look like the uh, shoe. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit confusing. I don't think we've got complete clarity mm-hmm. here. But no, hopefully, it definitely we-
0: seems to be things going on. It, in the on world, but that, I think that's a positive thing. We're also uh, we're all very impressed with the cloud surfer, mm. so hopefully uh, there's some good things to come.
2: Yeah, be some exciting testing. I think we are coming to the end of a little testing period now. a lot of brands have released everything, so that might be mm. the next mm. big exciting thing we get before the massive autumn rush.
0: All right, and then uh, finally is uh, I just uh, come back from Boston, not to run the marathon just to watch it. Uh, <laughs> I, I nipped out there <laughs> to visit Puma. And find out about their future launches, their developments that they're, they're working across various shoes and things. Some very interesting stuff that I can't talk about, but some very exciting stuff. Definitely um, making some interesting, oh. creative things in, in the future. So as soon as we can tell you about those things, we'll um, we'll talk about those. But it, yeah, it was really useful to see, well, one, to go to the marathon because I, I couldn't get in this year, but I'm going to get it in next year. Now I've got my qualifying, qualifying time. Desperate to do that. I'm quite pleased I didn't manage to do it this year because it was raining.
2: <laughs> but it's, it's always very raining. nice. It's so yeah, exactly. Is it always raining there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you basically got to hope yeah. the, tail- the wind is a tailwind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just it, as soon as you got off in the morning, it just looked a bit dreary. it looked, it looked like bid in England basically. Yeah. Are you? Uh, how? Two fifty five. Is that getting into Boston? Do you know what they what they what was the time they got in last year? Oh, my, mine's like three ten for foot over yeah. 40s. You should be good. Oh really? I'm way I'm way, way below. Um, I'm
0: I'm I'm my qualifying time isn't age dependent. It's just qualifying time. Easier. I <laughs> should be all right. I think that's right. It's around there. I know. I know. I've, I've I'm below the the forty year old qualifying time. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing that next year. But the uh, yeah, the trip was really interesting, and they have a lot of new developments going on, which I think a lot of people will be very pleased about across all different parts of the range.
2: Tom, I, so, I heard yeah. you were getting um, smashed at various different activities by other YouTubers, bowling, oh. ball, uh... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Right, so I got... This
1: is what we want to hear about.
0: <laughs> I got badly beaten at pool by Kate, who just slipped into the conversation like, like halfway through. I, I think I put in a couple of balls and then she slipped in. Oh, I used to uh, play for the uh, uni team. All right, okay. going right, <laughs> yeah. tell me that before I agree to play you. Yeah. She's, she's got a tattoo of the hustler on her arm. <laughs> I mean, she's, yeah, she, she was annoyingly good. And then I got beaten by the running channel at uh, 10 Mid Bowling.
2: What about uh, Ed Bud? Did he beat you at Paul as well? He looked quite good. He was too busy playing Puma, so I didn't
0: get around. You know, he's, he was good at pool so I'm, I, I, I say he was too busy. I avoided him. I wandered off to do something else. <laughs> uh, so I would have lost everything, but uh yeah, I managed to. um think, I think I won something there. I can't remember what it was, but I don't remember it. So. Um, doesn't <laughs> really count all right i think that's it for uh for running news all right bit of an intermission then for the podcast so normally we have running facts in here but uh because the london marathon has just been we're going to do we did this last year i think um yeah. the celebrity london marathon times see how close you can guess the celebrities
1: Run, test, run, marathon, test,
0: twins. Twins. now last mm. year when i did it i didn't know any of the celebrities so uh, <laughs> i don't think any of you did either so it's just me saying random names it could have been anyone who'd run the marathon but this time i've gone through it and actually choice picked people who are actually people that you might know uh right so let's let's run through this first one on here i hope you know this is because i didn't but you should danny mills no, the
3: footballer, yeah, the
1: footballer. Yeah, yeah. and he, think- obviously his son is a is an on
3: runner as well, so oh, and, okay. and, his yeah. brother, and his other son plays for, for the mighty Toffees as well. So yeah. yeah. I mean we met him at the on uh, at the on thing in Zurich. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> was that, yeah. Yeah, he was at the track day, he's yeah, that his that son was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I glaze over
2: when people start talking about football. he has
3: gotta be pretty really quick though. Us. Surely he's quick George with that knows. those jeans, yeah. that background. Yeah, yeah, What are you what are you thinking?
1: I'm gonna go three thirty one. Oh, okay. I think quick, I'm gonna go two fifty-four. No, three three fifteen. Karen's got it. It's three twelve eighteen. Oh. That's I poor. He's let himself is. down.
0: He's let his son <laughs> <sun> down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about so do you, you know who Dell Roberts is? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Adele Roberts is the be a well presenter, but she's recently been going through bowel cancer treatment and she got a Guinness World Record for running the right. Marathon's time to be the fastest marathon with a colostomy bag. But mm. what time do you think
1: she got? I think I know this. I think, is it 3.31? I'm
3: going to say 3.39. I'm going to go a bit higher. I'll go like 3.55. 3.30, 33.
0: Absolutely phenomenal. Amazing. That's yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible time. Uh, another one I didn't know, but you will you should know. Mark Wright. Ah, <laughs> oh, the footballer,
2: yeah. 4.20.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's... I mean, it's he's still old, kind now. of playing football, so I would say probably like, yeah, maybe 3.15, I'm going to say. Is that the, is the old Palace player? Mm. He's not that, that old, is he? he. Not really. No, it's that guy, this, this, the uh, the only way is Essex guy, isn't it? Who plays football as well. Oh. Apparently
0: last
3: last played for oh. EFL League Two-Side Crawley Town. Yeah, so
1: yeah. He, so he, he's, he's pl-
3: Oh, he's not—he's oh. not, not righty and right. It's not like the Palace have got the wrong one here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that. No, it's
1: not—he so has been playing professional football recently. Oh, so okay,
3: then. Not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ten, okay, got, three, five, three or five, <laughs> three thirty-six,
2: fifty-three. Oh, we're wow. footballers, don't we? Let's do sprints. Yeah. Lazy, lazy. Yeah. Well, let's
0: shift it <laughs> over from footballers here. Marcus Mumford of the Sons—is yeah. he one of, of the, the sons? sons? He's one of the
2: Sons. Okay. Five hours. was he playing music uh i reckon reckon this will be the random quick one i'm gonna say i'm gonna say uh, 341 okay
0: it's 351 very Mm. good
1: Uh, 25
0: have you got one standard one on the list chris evans come on you must know you must know his general times from previous years oh he's
1: good isn't he what was your time tom what's your quickest marathon time
0: What's that got to do with Chris Evans?
1: I reckon he's done slightly <laughs> quicker than you.
0: <laughs> no, we're talking Chris Evans, the old BBC
2: presenter, not the uh, Hollywood <laughs> star Is quite fit. He's probably a really relaxed about it, though, isn't he? He's probably jogging him around now. He's done loads.
1: 4, 4.12, I'm going to say.
2: No, I reckon he's still, I think he's still got a bit in the 30... leg. I reckon he's done a 3.48 jogging it. Yeah, I was going to say 3.45 Four forty-three fifty-one.
3: Oh. Whoa, what are you yeah. doing, Chris? Stop! What you doing?
2: Talking about cars, mate. Tom, have you got yeah. um, Eve Muirhead on this list? One of my favourite people in the world, the curler.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: I,
2: I took that one off because I didn't think anyone would know who that is. You're you're obsessed. Legend, you're obsessed
3: absolute me. legend.
2: Watched watched so much curling at uni <laughs> for no
0: reason. Well, you have to
2: look that up because uh, I did I did have that on the list, but I don't know. Uh, I, I did. She was pretty it. quick, I think.
0: Well, I'm going to finish here with uh, I've, I've got uh, two people probably standers but I'm going to pick Adam Woodgett.
2: Oh, Beely. Oh, Ian, Beely. Ian Beale! Beal. Two oh one twenty. <laughs> <laughs> uh four four thirty two. Four
0: fifty. Six fifteen twenty six.
3: Yes. Oh Beely. I mean you yeah. stopping to write, sign so many autographs. The elites don't have to worry quite, about that. Uh, uh, i saw those he's... chip butties from the calf mate it's like what was yeah. his hydration strategy well, i haven't seen him
2: since the kind of meme photo of him as an absolute state in EastEnders. enders I, I assume <laughs> he just looks like that but he probably doesn't does he there we go there,
0: there's the uh the, the the famous london Marathon celebrity times quiz can we uh,
3: can we just carry on doing that i think it's gonna be more fun <laughs> I mean, they, they,
0: they really go downhill after a bit The people that i've got on the
1: list
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i had to do quite a lot of research find out who, who the other people were maybe we'll do another one uh next time should, should have done one of those after the well have they got to qualify for boston does boston have general
2: celebrities or do they, do they have to qualify i don't,
0: I don't know. know that's a good question but you does have people that do it through non-qualifying sources oh. doesn't it it's got hmm. charity places you know who is
2: imagine. a fast celebrity who's that guy on taskmaster This series the young comedian um, on this
1: one on the new one
2: yeah what's his name? Frankie Boyle
1: the guy, oh the <laughs> guy from
3: Ghost the guy from Ghost
2: the, guy next, the Ghost is next to Frankie Boyle
3: <laughs> oh yeah I know yeah um, he was at a new balance event
2: once Ivo Graham that's it Ivor I think, Graham. Oh, yeah, I think he a, wanted yeah, yeah. to run a I think he was trying to run a sub 3 sometime yeah. oh, he's got the build okay. the gangling build yeah.
0: mm. there we go bonus information for any celebrity running fans there <laughs> 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 we'll get him on the podcast <laughs> loads of them <laughs> alright more of those next year All right, guys. So we get a lot of questions on the channel about running watches and how to buy running watches. And it can be quite confusing for people, especially if they're new to buying watches. And when you're looking at you know, upwards of £500 for some of the more premium ones, it's it's a decision that probably needs quite a bit of thought. So uh, what we're going to do here is go through some of the main questions that we get around um, running watches and help people understand a little bit better about so they can start choosing which one they actually want to, to, to be looking at. So let's jump. Let's jump into a nice simple one. Uh, Nick, you can tackle this one to start with. Uh, how expensive do you think a running watch needs to be?
2: Needs to be. Needs to be. So it's a tough question. <laughs> um, I think they are a lot cheaper. They're still, you know, as gear goes, the minimum price is still reasonably high of a running watch. I think to get GPS and heart rate tracking, you know, and, and a reasonable battery life, you're still looking at. 100 quid kind of thing for the older models from uh, brands like Garmin and Coros if you're going on, on the cheap. I mean, Decathlon has a very good watch for 130 pounds, the Kipron 500, but mm. that's still quite a lot of money, you know, compared to lots of other things. There are some cheaper ones, just, you know, Mike's a big, uh, well, expert on like the Fit range, which does have some cheaper ones under 100 pounds, but mm. it gets a little bit sketchy there. You might not get a screen, you can really read that easily on the run. I still think you're probably looking at close to 100 pounds for an older model of a really good watch mm-hmm. that's going to work very well as a running watch. And then, from there, you know the sky's the limit, isn't it? Uh, I think probably there's really good watches between, if under two hundred pounds these days, that are multi sport watches as well that offer everything you really need. And then you start looking at frills beyond that price that are great frills, frills I love like AMOLED screens and multi band GPS and maps and music and all that. But um, they're probably less essential than I think the core features. It's very easy to find now and really good watches for under two hundred. But it's still, still not really getting like amazing watches for fifty quid. So out those different price range,
3: Kieran. Is one for you? How do you choose a running watch for your price range? Yeah, I mean, this is this is an interesting question because there's, there's obviously so many different kind of features that you'll get across the kind of price ranges. And for me, my starting point has always been to do something simple. Like I'll make a list of the things that are kind of um, essentials. You know, they're the things non-negotiables. Sean Dice would call them in the football world if he was training Everton. These are the things that you you, you really desperately you know want to have in your watch. And that will give you a starting point to go and kind of cross-reference a bunch of um, different devices. And, you know, you're thinking about things, some of the things that Nick's mentioned that differentiate these washers. Do you you really want to have that kind of uber accuracy, kind of multi-band GPS? Do you care about having offline music? Does the AMOLED screen make a difference? Is your main thing having a really long battery life? Do you want a battery life that extends with kind of low power mode that goes further those kind of things, if you can start to kind of put together that short list, it gives you something to go and essentially start your research with. The only thing about that is I think it's really important to be really honest with yourself about... Which of those things are really important? And there are some things that I think inevitably you might have to make a sacrifice if your budget doesn't sort of stretch up to those kind of 500 and beyond. And you can ask yourself a question, do I really need it to play music or will I always have my phone with me so that I can listen to music through my phone? Are there other cheaper ways of getting some of the things? I think a big thing for me, which makes it interesting, we're always sort of testing the heart rate accuracy. A lot of the cheaper watches maybe have heart rate optical heart rate monitors that aren't necessarily bang on. You can kind of supplement that maybe with a cheap chest strap uh, and add kind of heart rate accuracy without going kind of too far up the scale. So you can start to kind of pick out those key points. But yeah, definitely having a little bit of thought before you go into it about what your your key kind of must-haves are is, is really useful.
2: Yeah,
0: I agree. I always I always think with watches, it's, it's 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 very easy to look through the, the features and everything and think, oh, I want all of those things and I'm going to pay £200 more than I originally intended to. But as we test watches, sometimes we'll test the more entry level watches, then and sometimes we'll test the more premium watches. What I often find I is think. that when I'm going for an entry level watch or something that's probably lower down the list, I, I I don't know after testing it for a couple of weeks, I don't think oh, I want that watch on because it's got all the features that I'm using anyway. So it. it it may be nice to have some of these features, but you might, you probably don't need them.
3: There's, a, there's another thing which I think you can, one thing is sort of if you're coming in at the kind of entry level and you're thinking about where your running might go and you're a beginner, you might want to give yourself some headroom. So you might find there are features later on that you need and you don't want to sort of have to invest in two watches. There's another really good trick that you could do right now, which is you could use um, Chat GPT essentially to say, these are the four watches that I'm thinking about. Pull me together a table of all the specs in comparison and it will do it for you. So you can you can use it to get really easy comparative stats out of this. There are lots of the AI tools that make it simple to do all of that trawling. Because, I mean, some some brands are really good at putting their specs side by side for their watches. Coros are pretty good at giving you comparatives. Um, some of the others, it's quite difficult. You have to kind of get a spreadsheet open. But some of those AI tools will do that for you now.
0: How very modern of you.
2: Mm. Oh, I think one other thing to talk about in price range, that we don't cover actually that much on the channel ourselves because I don't think it's a huge deal for any of us is materials used. But some people, will. if you start thinking that you need the most rugged watch out there, that massively increases the price if you're starting to think about things like titanium and temperatures it can go to. So uh, that can really put a bracket on your price range if you do need something that's incredibly resilient on that front
0: and if you live in the uk don't worry too much about solar powered watches (laughs) (laughs) all right so so let's jump into a bit more about specifics around features mike this is a good one for you since you're the the man who knows everything about watch features what different features should people look for in a running watch? Say you're new to to running watches, what what should, what are the main things you should be looking out for?
1: I think there's some pretty consistent things across all watches, that I think most runners will generally want. Now, obviously, you do want built-in GPS, and that every watch has built-in GPS. But I think what on top of that, potentially you might want is you want want to have the ability to play around with that level of GPS accuracy because you might not need, to, particularly where you run or the environments you run in you might be able to preserve your battery life and still get that real optimum accuracy. So I think, you know, having that room to um, kind of alter that GPS accuracy, depending on the environment, is a really nice feature to have. But I don't mean, you know, you want built-in GPS and pretty much every watch has that. I think also a key thing, I think for me, and I think most people look for, is, you know, that ability to play around the data fields and how your screens look. And whether that's you're someone who wants very simple looking bits of data on your screen when you're looking down at your wrist or you want something a bit more complex you know looking for you know the watches that kind of support that it might mean that you have to go for a bigger watch over a smaller watch Um, and having the freedom to customize I think is a really strong thing and ultimately putting the data in front of you that you really want to see I think you know during that run for the run things that can help you govern your training I think those are key things we talk about heart rate monitoring a lot now not everyone trains by heart rate and everyone needs to see that heart rate information but if you want that heart rate data and you rely on it i think having a watch that has a the ability to pair external heart rate monitor chest straps you'll hear us say in pretty much all of our videos i think you know wrist-based heart rate monitoring is very good and it's good for most runs but if you really rely on that accuracy then you want a watch that can pair to a external heart rate monitor so you know definitely look at what types of connectivity support those watches have and what heart monitors that opens it up in terms of that kind of pairing i think the other thing i think you know there's other things i think are desirable features but not necessarily necessary features when you're starting to look a bit more in terms of your training a little bit more in terms of your analysis so whether it's the ability to create workouts you know bring the workouts onto your watch so it's easy to follow them you're not you know hand to your you know your phone and, and keeping an eye on what you're, you want to do for that session i think those are really nice things to have we're start, starting to see watches delve a little bit more into training analysis whether that's helping you kind of look in terms of you know how to recover when you should recover when you 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 should, you know, run or or kind of rest. You know, looking at seeing you're making very clear improvements, whether you need to kind of ease off or whether there's certain types of sessions you should be doing. Those aren't essential features, but I think those are nice features to have. And it's very reliant on those other sensors, making sure they're delivering that accuracy and that accurate level of data. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. But I think those are the key things I would be looking for. I would be saying to people to look for when they're looking for those key features on running watches. All right, then, Nick,
0: this is an interesting one. I came up with this question myself Um, (laughs) because it's something that has cropped up quite a bit in testing um, and that is what, what technical limitations do people need to be aware of? when they're picking up a running watch and why that i mean it can be anything like the features or you know the software or anything like that
2: oh limitations mostly concern accuracy probably for the most part like these are they're pretty marvelous these days uh modern running watches but they are still not going to be perfect all the time on accuracy heart rate in particular optical heart rate is a very hard thing to do i had a long chat with some of the teams at big running watch brands who are very good at this stuff but if you were to design the worst place you could possibly put a heart rate monitor, it would basically be the wrist while running because your arms are all over the place. And it's a thin part of the body. So even the best watches are going to struggle sometimes on that front, like Mike mentioned. Um, and accuracy of gps like i'm obsessed about gps love multi-band gps but even with the best multi-band gps uh, available i use two watches with those uh, with that at the london marathon at the weekend and in canary wharf they still struggle to get accurate pacing and distance because it's just very hard to get good gps there so you can expect very good performance on both those fronts but you can't expect perfection and obviously that fees there's a lot to do with the training analysis and sleep analysis in particular on the watches that i, I mean these are useful tools that can certainly help guide what you're doing but they aren't perfect and uh, they wouldn't I wouldn't you know stake my life on the uh, training readiness feature of a watch or the recovery advisor on it but it's all those things you want to take with a bit of a pinch of salt they're all very clever they do work most of the time they do work up to a point and then there's a little bit of the potential for inaccuracy because it's a very hard thing to do and the other limitation I suppose comes to mind to me of watches is how much battery they can pack in and uh, as a trade-off versus things like size and screen brightness and still yet to get the watch that can offer the battery life of something like the Garmin Enduro or the Chorus Vertex 2. That's quite a small, delicate watch with a bright screen. It's all those kind of things. You're It's constantly a trade-off buying a running watch and technical limitations plays into that as well. Cool.
0: And then fine, I'll just add to that. Uh, the, one of the limitations I always find is when you look at the spec sheets or the marketing material around watches, the, when there's a feature like maps or turn-by-turn turn navigation and things like that, it's very different on different watches. Mm. So just having that feature on a watch does not necessarily mean it's as good as the feature that's on another another watch. So sometimes the actual features themselves are limitations because they're not as good as they sh- you, you expect them to be when you get it. And I think that's the same for a lot of the features on those watches. So things like music on watches... I never find to be that good and never that usable. Um, but also, it can have an impact on battery life and stuff like that. So, yeah, some of the features—just um, be aware of the features on watches because sometimes they're they're not as good as they sound. Um, so on, Mike, I
3: just—I just,
1: oh, sorry, oh, go Mike. Go on, you go. Oh, sorry. You go. No, no. Just to kind of add a nick in terms of those kind of adding those additional metrics. I think what we're seeing, and I think will evolve over time, is having these lots of metrics, lots of lots of information, but actually having the actionable data, the actionable insights with that data. I think that is that very much a limitation of a lot of these things, where you're having a lot of information thrown at you, which potentially could be useful, but. A lot of these brands are still matching up instead of delivering that information in a way that you can understand and put it to good use. While you can get up with some of the features on these running watches, a lot of the features are still delivering a lot of data, but not really putting it in a really kind of nice, you know, presenting it in a really nice, intuitive way. And
3: I'd follow on from that, Mike, which is that there's a few things when you look at readiness is a really big one, where a lot of the watches calculate readiness by they mash together a load of metrics, different metrics, whether it's your sleep, your kind of resting heart rate, other bits and pieces that, Essentially, if they're not 100% accurate at that, and we know that there's big limitations on the accuracy of sleep, and they try to combine this into the readiness score, when you wake up in the morning, that readiness score is going to be off. So you have to be aware that it's when, when you're when you're amalgamating a lot of data to try and get you this one really nice and tidy and easy to understand score that says, yeah, go, and or no, don't go, if the data that it's feeding from in six different pools isn't right, that's not bang on. And I would absolutely recommend watches that go with sort of a straight HRV reading if you can because your heart rate variability is actually a response to all of those other bits of physiology that affect your readiness so that's a that's a good kind of score and I think that's a that's a big thing I, the other one that I think is sort of people get baffled by is the the idea of productivity and what's not you know when your training is productive and not and I think understanding how and why and where your watch is calculating those kind of training insights and metrics is really important if you can and not all brands are brilliant at explaining how they're getting to those numbers and if you don't understand how they get there for me it, it kind of yeah it makes it a bit difficult to really ensure that they're accurate or understand how to use them properly
2: yeah and i don't uh, quickly fall on for that is you can see that really clearly with things like race time predictions and stuff like that so use yeah. that as your barometer to know roughly where your watch is you gauged by because it's like I said, it's based on these algorithms that might not apply to you perfectly mm-hmm. i think well, actually one we, i should have mentioned earlier that i think it was quite interesting that people mentioned is i wore two watches and got different gps readings on both <laughs> That's just going to happen. That's because GPS is not that accurate. The same way when you go and run a marathon or a race, your watch will not give you the, the exact race distance because GPS is not that accurate. It's, it's never. It's always the watch's fault, put it that way. It's never that the race course. It's, well, sometimes the race course is wrong, Brighton Marathon, but mostly it's uh, <laughs> it's the fault of the watch. Not, uh, uh, not this year. Not this year, yes, true. <laughs>
0: Cool. All right. Well, that's quite a detailed one. Let's jump into a really quick one. Mike, you can tackle this one because Kieran's got a big question coming up. So just <laughs> simply pop, Mike, what's the difference between a smartwatch and a running watch?
1: I would say the two things are definitely blurring a little bit more. But ultimately, what I would say is the smartwatch can track runs but will offer more uses outside of that tracking time. So ultimately you're getting something more sophisticated in terms of dealing with things like notifications. If you like using kind of music or listen to music on your smartwatch or kind of syncing it over the app support as well, outside of kind of run focused things, you're going to get a bit more on that front as well. But I think on the kind of flip side is that you're probably getting a little bit less battery life, whether that's kind of day to day battery life. But also in terms of that GPS battery life as well. So that's really what separates, I would say, a smartwatch from a running watch, where you're getting something very more focused, something with the running watch will give you more battery life, more in terms of that kind of level metrics out, you know, out of the box ultimately. Whereas you might have to work a little bit harder to find those features or get those features on a smartwatch. A
0: beautifully succinct answer.
2: <laughs>
0: very nice. Did you get that off ChatGPT? <laughs>
1: no, that's all my knowledge. All my knowledge. <laughs>
0: All right, and talking about battery life've cropped up a, a few times uh Kieran you're a manu is you're a keen on long battery life how much battery life can people expect from different running watches
3: yeah I, I mean battery life is really important for me I hate charging my watch for a start but also I like if I'm if, you know if you're going to do an ultra you're going to go long you need something that's going to go you know over 12 hours to do a 100k even if you're pretty quick and you need if you're gonna do multi-day you need something that's going to stretch further than that so I mean the the thing is that actually with this it's jumped on quite a lot, even in the last kind of couple of generations. So, I think most watches at most levels now are starting to offer somewhere around kind of thirty hours in kind of full GPS mode, which is really strong. And I think now you should really be kind of looking for that. I think as the kind of lower benchmark for a lot of it, unless you're going to do what Nick was talking about earlier and you're going to go for you know a really sort of cheap sort of hundred pound watch that's a, an older generation, and then you're starting to get some crazy numbers higher up the scale. You know the Chorus Vertex Two will claim 140 hours, kind of full GPS. The other thing I think, you know, which I is a really good thing, you know, Mike talked about kind of being able to sort of change up your settings so that you can extend that battery life, but max power modes are great. If you're going to go and do a hundred miler, it doesn't really matter how, you know, the accuracy of the, of the GPS tracks are not as important as actually that watch kind of lasting the distance. So you want something that you're going to be able to extend and still have your watch working there's nothing worse than having that drop out halfway through a big long run like that. It's definitely happened to me. I mean, I I I'd go back, you know, three, four or five years and I'd be having to take two watches to do something like a hundred mile ultra and switch them out halfway through or charge them up. And we're no longer in that world. So yeah, anywhere between 30 hours and probably like 140 you can expect now. And there's kind of gradations up through that.
0: And for your, you know, your park runner goes out, and does park run, does a couple of other runs, Maybe got themselves a four and a fifty-five, something like that. What sort yeah. of battery life GPS are you going to get on those? Uh, anyone I mean, still looking at? Yeah,
1: that's like I mean, I mean, like the four, the four, oh, you know, having a look at the kind of bottom. Actually, the forty-five you are getting kind of a week of day-to-day battery life, and then probably thirteen to kind of fifteen hours in GPS battery life. So mm-hmm. you are getting, you know, something that's probably going to last for people doing a couple of. Sessions, maybe a longer run, you know someone who's probably not running as frequently as someone who's maybe running four or five times a week, but it's probably going to be enough in terms of using those other things just to kind of I thought it was worth adding is if you are looking at running watches, I think some you know these watches are evolving, and there's some things that are gonna have a bit more of a battery drain on those watches, so things like um having if you are an amylator display, having that screen on always on, things like pulse ox sensors drain the battery life more music streaming does the new dual dual band GPS mode that we're seeing on new watches those will hit the battery life harder so looking at those features and really digging into how the companies or the brands reflect those battery numbers based on those features is really important I think as well. I'd
2: also say that um, looking beyond the GPS figures to real world uses the brands have very different approaches to how your watch performs in between runs so and that massively changes how long they'll last so a watch for example, a chorus and a Polar watch that will both have forty hours of GPS. The Polar watch will last maximum seven days because it will be using doing quite a lot at night, lots of heart rate variability tracking. They just say seven days roughly is what you're gonna get from it. Chorus watch is going to last two or three weeks because it doesn't take it doesn't automatically even take your heart rate twenty four seven unless you turn that on and the screen's a bit duller. So a Garmin almost splits the difference. But I do, yeah, so it is uh, in terms of real world usage when you're just kind of training each week. So, for example, the chorus watch I used recently, I did 15 hours of GPS training across two weeks. And so individual single activity will last exactly as long as a Polar watch. But in real world use, it might last twice as long because it's not doing anything in between runs, really. So if you get a more basic watch on that front, it can actually extend the battery life uh, quite a lot.
3: And and I think some good ones actually now, they're starting to give you that kind of customization. You can go to a sort of particular area in the watch and start to fiddle with those things. And it makes it really easy to sort of see where the usage is. Is going and so you can kind of customize that. So I think that's another thing. If you know, it's great having all those features, but the ability to be able to switch them all on and off as and when you need them is also I think starting to be a really a really handy thing on on the best watches.
2: I think there's still also a massive differentiation between this and smart watches, where I think there are a bit of merging going on now, where the Apple Watch Ultra has a, obviously a two day battery life, still nothing really compared to a sports watch, but certainly some Garmin watches. I feel like Garmin have, are saying now that. Our battery life is actually, we're happy with it. If we can get to four to seven days, we're now just going to start adding more features instead of adding more battery life uh, in the future. Yeah. So there is maybe the emerging um, around there for those kind of bright screens and good sports tracking.
0: Cool. OK, let's talk durability. Probably not too much to discuss on this one, but uh, who's isn't it? Nick,
2: how important is durability? <laughs> which is very important. You want your watch, running watch is going to take some knocks. Like, um, even if you are purely a roadrunner, you're going to hit it on something or something like that. And it's, you, know, you don't want it to chip or fray, you don't want the screen to crack, and you want the screen to work for many years to come. I think that was a big fear with AMOLED screens on watches. And I'm still, obviously, we've only had things like the Epics and that for a couple of years in the venue. But doesn't seem like you know people worry about burning on AMOLED displays that you know it starts to get shadows of things that have been on the on the display in the past. Doesn't seem to have been a real problem, but yeah, some watches are really built for everything. You know, Garmin the Garmin Instinct range, and then then you look at the more expensive metal watches like the Chorus Vertix Two and the Garmin Phoenix Enduro watches that are built to withstand everything. Whereas all plastic watches are probably going to be a bit less durable, but I think it's it's still. For me, for my life as a road runner, it's still quite hard to smash up a watch. They are all pretty durable these days, I'd say.
1: <laughs> I've cracked one. I think I've scratched one screen, I think, over my years of testing, and that was this year. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, Smartwatches might be a little bit less that because they like to have things like edge-to-edge yeah. displays, which are a bit more prone yeah. to taking a knock. But even then, I've never broken uh an, like an apple watch and i have broken several apple phones so <laughs> i uh,
3: i once drove over my apple watch in my driveway by accident um, did that it was, survive it wasn't very it, no
4: okay.
3: yeah, that's yeah. the level
2: yeah if you're one of those runners who's constantly <laughs> under cars you are going to break your watch yeah. a bit more but
0: <laughs> cool okay so the last question this is a bit of a bigger one mike you can pick this one up but uh, see if you can do it without an hour of discussion it's a big question
1: I've, uh, okay <laughs> so
0: um actually you can take it in turns to go through this if you want but basically what what are the top running brands running watch brands that people should be aware of and what are the sort of top line benefits of each of them um and and, and what what people could expect from those
1: from those ones let's start with garmin I mean, massive, massive, massive collection, massive collection, a watch for all ranges or abilities. I think good core running features across the board, good battery life overall. I think there's something for everyone. If you want something really basic, you have that in the Garmin range. If you want something a bit more advanced, you've got the kind of forerunner, the kind of top end forerunners, the Epics uh, and the Phoenix watches. I think that's the best way to kind of look at the Garmin range of watches.
2: I think probably the area where Garmin is very much clear of its competitors in sports watches is on the top-end watches that have the best, yeah. by far, the best mapping experience, the most easy-to-use yeah. music experience, the you know the best... Well, maybe not the best, but a training analysis is as good as anything in sports track and the best multiband GPS. So that's, I think, where they're quite clear in, the, in that real top bracket of watches. But at the lower ranges, I think it's their essentials are quite similar to the other brands. well
3: right, then, Coros. Coros, for me, stand out for Coros is... Is basically the battery life, really? Although you know, and Nick will talk about this, I'm sure, but you you make sacrifices for that battery life. It kind of ekes out the battery life by not having quite a bright screen, or maybe you you pay a little bit in GPS accuracy and some of the other things. But for me, that's still the thing that really stands out for them. And they offer, I guess, kind of a wide range of um, training insights, performance insights, and what, what used to be a really, really competitive price. I think that's being squeezed a little bit now. We've seen the prices come up, so it's not. There's not so much distance between them and some of the the competitors, but for me, it's about that kind of whopping great 140 hour battery life that I was talking about. That's the one thing that still jumps out for me in a Coros.
1: Mm. I would I would probably just add that I think of all the ranges, and I think which is I think is really I think also stands out for Coros is the fact they've been very consistent with their updates across their watches. Mm. I think that's a really important thing. I think you know they've tried to give the same features on their cheapest pace watch across to its kind of. Uh, apex and vertex watches and you know you don't you rarely get that kind of level of support i think from the other brands you know know, we see people talk about garments and not rolling features back to older watches but chorus has almost created an ecosystem where they want to try and do that as best as they can for as long as possible and i think that's a really strong kind of aspect of their range
2: yeah i think chorus really stands out at the almost the entry level well the best value watches things like the chorus pace 2 and the decathlon watches that use chorus technology that's where they're really strong because they offer so much battery life and great features for a good price i think at their more expensive watches where they're trying to offer values by using incredibly nice materials for less than you find from other brands but we're not big materials, guys. I think we've made that quite clear. But but um, <laughs> uh, but they but then they do fall behind on things like GPS accuracy. Their music is really like, it's all drag and drop. There's no streaming support. The maps don't have turn by turn. So they have a lot of features, but don't really match up the features that well to what you get from Garmin at the high end. But they are incredible. I think the best thing about them is the way they roll out features across the range. I think it's a very democratic approach. And it means that a watch like the Pace 2 offers incredible value.
0: Okay, well, well, we'll delve more into the different watch brands when Mike gets around to doing the best watches video um but you've got one more pick what are you going to let people know about uh in terms of the watch brands that they should be looking out for
1: i mean i think i think we have to give a shout out to apple as much as people probably hate us to say the apple watch <laughs> but i mean the apple watch is, is, is evolved into i for me not only the you know the best smartwatch for runners but i think one of the best running watches and i didn't think i would i would be someone saying that but i think you know, you might have to work a little bit harder to get the best out of the, some of the other kind of additional analytics, but the core run tracking experience, I think, is very, very strong on the Apple Watch Ultra and I think on the on the Series A as well. And the battery life, Hopefully we'll get better, but I do think, you know, the improvements are there, are there to be seen. I think Apple have made a really good off- offering in terms of what they've done with the Apple Watch in terms of a run tracking experience overall. Yeah,
3: Polar I think, you know, Polar makes some great watches as well. And I think they make some really good value watches. I think they're particularly strong at the kind of the the training load recovery, that kind of that kind of thing. And I think actually they've got some Good kind of crossover fitness and and running watches at a very sort of cheap end as well. I feel like they had a moment where they were they were really trying to kick on. They were being quite innovative with some of the new features that we were seeing, like fuel wise and those things. And it just feels like it's dropped off a little bit, and they've they've lost a little bit of that ground to the other brands. But they still do have great watches in their lineup. Yeah, I I I really like Polar as a company. I think they
2: really approach things in a good way, but I think their designs have fallen behind some of the other brands and when they have started to introduce features like there was very some really confusing things, like the the way the multiband GPS was brought to the Ignite three, quite a random AMOLED watch that had very bad GPS, it turns out. And yeah, yeah so it, there's been a few missteps. But it's interesting they've obviously they're, say, uh, sold, they're selling their tech for other companies to use and the Casio yeah. watch I tested recently has some polar features on it had a lot of other problems but the polar features are good on it
0: alright then yeah. well as I say there will be a best watches video that may be up when you're listening to or watching this um, video so tech uh, check that out for more of the watches that are available at the moment thanks guys thank you time for a bit of a break from the chat this is my interview with Edna Kiplugat so thanks for speaking to me and um yeah I had many many questions for you um but I think one one of the main things that I wanted to find out is that you've done races all over the world you've won you've won a lot of races in different countries it must be really difficult to to work, if you are looking back to think, what what is my what the things I am most proud of, or what are the defining points in my career where I did an event that I really cared about? What what would you say is or are the the big achievements you've, you've had in your career?
4: I think um, uh, since I've uh, done so well in a marathon, the biggest achievement uh, was uh, defending my title in uh, Moscow in twenty thirteen and running uh, my. Uh, Personal best in uh, London Marathon of uh, two hours
0: 1950 And I've I've not done many races outside of sort of the UK and, and America, but you've done races in countries that have wildly different temperatures and and, and um, weather. How do you adapt your training if you're if you're going to compete in different different countries?
4: Yeah, I think uh, before I uh, start uh, preparing for any marathon. I look at the weather, the field, and course. So, if weather is going to be hot, then I try to train during hot days. And if the temperatures are cold, then I try to run early in the morning, so that I. Get uh, used to the temperatures uh, during the race day. So, I've been uh, racing uh, in so many countries that sometimes the conditions are uh, so harsh. I remember 2013 uh, in Moscow, 2019 in Doha, the temperatures were so hot but I was able to do well because uh, I was training uh, early in the afternoon to get uh, used to the hot weather. So it has been uh, difficult, but because of uh, good preparation and uh, mental uh, preparedness, I've been able to perform. I know it's not easy, but I take uh, that challenge maybe during uh, my preparations, So I know exactly what I expected during the race, and... I prepare my mind for it.
0: Um, And and given the choice, do you prefer a race in a warm country or or, a race in a colder country?
4: I've tried uh, several times uh, to race in uh, cold conditions, but uh, my body does not respond well. So I think it's about the mental, because if I see the training that I do all the time, it's the same. The preparation has been going on well until uh, the last minute, whereby when I get into the race and it started raining, I get uh, mentally stuck because I'm afraid of uh, getting cold. So that's when uh, I don't perform well during uh, cold weather, but uh, warm weather, I have no problem.
0: Um, And obviously it wasn't really warm in Boston yesterday, it wasn't ideal conditions.
4: When we started uh, in the morning, it was drizzling. So by the time we were up, it started raining again. So we had—I had already gotten the cold, and so when we started uh, racing, my body picked it up. And then when it started raining again, my uh, the temperatures went down, and I got cold again. So my body was up and down, and yeah, I just got affected with it and. I didn't pick up until the, the last minute when I, I was so tired.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about, you've, you've done so many races. Do you, do you feel pressure before a race, or have you, have you found a way to, to manage the stress or the pressure of, of performing on race day?
4: Uh, before, I used to feel very nervous, but uh, because I've raced a lot, and I have competed uh, in so many uh, different uh, conditions and uh, racing with different athletes all the time. So I get experience. So I think uh, for the last few years, I've never had that pressure of uh, getting it uh, during the last minute. So I think I've been able to manage uh, that uh, uh, nervousness
0: and well li- leading on from that in in 2021 you you won boston at the age of 41 how did it feel to to do it at that point in your career and and, and did it did, did you feel like uh, was it a surprise or, or, or were you, did you think i'm this is this is i've got to this point now and, and you were confident in yourself
4: i think it was not a big surprise for me because i prepared very well and uh... I expected to perform well, so when I finished uh, being being second, uh, and then later I realised uh, the winner was not up uh, ad- so when I was given uh, that uh, award later, I was so happy because I knew uh, my preparation was uh, good and uh, I was ready to win the race, so I was happy because everything went so well, and uh, yeah, I later uh, got my... Uh,
0: my Right, Well, uh, that's, that's just, um, we, uh, on, on the, on the YouTube channel, we talk quite a lot about different races around the world. You've done loads of races. Um, are there any races that you've done that you you, you really remem- remember fondly? If it's if it's just a nice course or it's just the crowds or anything
4: like that? Uh, it's a postal marathon. Um, yeah. Okay. Because uh, it was my first time in uh, in 2017 to come and race, and uh, the fans were missing from the start to the to the finish line. So that's when. I, um. So if I see from all other races. Uh, Boston is one of those courses that whereby the fans are packed from the start to the finish and yeah, you, you get a lot of energy because you feel like you are tired, but you still uh, hear that the uh, cheering squad are uh, calling your name, singing, supporting, so you feel motivated uh, all that way, so it's, uh, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great course.
0: So in a week's time or or in a few days for people um, watching or listening to this, it will be the London Marathon. So there will be still a few days left for a lot of people before the marathon takes place. How do you prepare in the final few days before a marathon? Is there anything you can do or is it all just mental?
4: Um, I think the last few days uh, of preparation, I try to lower down my mileage and then uh, I make sure... uh, the recovery is, is good, and uh, I try to fuel an and uh, I make sure I get a good massage. Yeah, so that I the last day, maybe the last one week, uh, everything is good and ready to go.
0: Okay, brilliant, and you're. Over the course of your career, you've probably you, you, there's been lots of things you've learned, and maybe that've taken a while to learn. Is there anything that you, you've the, the point you're at now, you throughout your career, you, you look back and go I, I, that was really important that I learned that lesson um, in my career because it helped me um, be a better runner.
4: Yeah, I think before um, I didn't uh, know that uh, you could take that uh, recovery seriously. So since the first time when I started, the uh, racing uh, my marathon, and I performed. So that's when I learned uh, recovery is very important, and uh, I've been uh, doing uh, a lot uh, to make sure that uh, my body is fully recovered during the training, and uh, even towards the end of uh, my preparation, I always watch about it because I I need to lessen uh, distractions that it can make me... Uh, not focus in my training. So, yeah, so those are the few things that I've uh, tried to watch.
0: And let's just briefly talk about uh, running kit. So how important is getting the right running shoes and running kit for you when you're racing?
4: Yeah, running shoes is uh, very important because you might uh, train uh, so well, but uh, if you don't have the running the right training shoes or uh, the right uh, running gear it affects your mind because uh, you don't want to feel any pain uh, get any or uh, you feel uh, calves so it's very important uh, to have uh, like for me I always uh, prefer to have uh, racing shoes uh, to use uh, for my last long run or my last speed work so that I can have Uh, that feel before the race day. So if it's not a good size or um, if it's not comfortable with my feet, then I have time to change.
0: Yeah, it's something that crops up a lot and and a lot of elites say that the the most important thing is comfort because that that's going to be the thing over 26.2 miles that's going to really affect you but, but by the end. Um, and you, you, you raced in the um, Puma DV8 uh, Nitro Elite 2s, didn't you? Uh, which I think is quite a common shoe. I saw quite a lot of people racing in that shoe. a uh, big fan of it myself. Okay, and then now, now, now you've done Boston this year, what's, what's life looking like now? Are you, are you training for another event or are you going to be taking some well-earned rest? for a bit
4: yeah uh, for now I'll be taking a few weeks uh, of rest uh, I need to uh, let my body uh, recover fast and then I start uh, picking up uh, my training slowly and then I can see uh, what, uh, what 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 races I can do uh, uh, in the summer
0: well thank you very much that was really interesting and, and uh, I've got some useful tips that I need to to, to, to listen to myself um, but yeah thank you very much All right, guys. The, we do this every every podcast. We answer questions from the channel. Normally, questions that we haven't had a chance to answer on the channel because we get so many questions these days. And uh, also, I should probably flag now that sometimes we, we get we get quite a few emails nowadays, and they're really long. They're really we get really long <laughs> emails with lots and lots of information on about somebody's specific running. It's very if nice. One of those people, it's nice to get
2: them, but it's um, it's really nice. Yeah. And
0: and the people that sending them are really friendly. It's really nice to get some feedback from you guys, but we just don't have time to go through like loads and loads of information about your running and everything, because we struggle to get back to like the the, the quick answers on the, on, on the, um, on the comments. So if you've got a question, if you, the quicker and simpler it makes it, the more likely it is that we'll get back to you on it. If it's a really confusing one, it, it goes into our draft folders and, yeah, this sort of disappears because we haven't got time. Um, but th- these are I've picked a load of the questions that we've got on the channel we haven't got around to answering. So let's just jump into these. This one's for you, Nick. Specifically, it's from Rico ninety. Uh, Nick, this. could you tell me, <laughs> please, what shoe would you recommend recommend for a road one mile race on a flat, straight
2: course? I think I think we could all chip in on this answers. So uh, <laughs> um, I would. I mean, assuming there's, there's no regulations over this uh, over this, I just. Pick up a pair of lightweight carbon shoes, Vaporfly, Mm -hmm. be fine.
0: I go Hoka Rocket X two, Deviate, Nitro Elite two, Vaporfly,
1: Pro three maybe as well.
2: Takumi Sen, I mean, yeah, yeah, Takumi Sen's
3: a good shot. Streakfly, maybe. If it was a straight (laughs) line,
2: I'd be perfectly happy going at it in the (laughs) AlphaFly. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, what what is? if I'm tricky about this question, is
0: it's very specific? Are you using these for any of the races, or is it just... Well, I get the feeling just
2: he's robbing a bank and then running one mile away. Oh, he just needs to go away as quickly as possible just, for a mile. And then just,
1: hang, just hanging him up. With in which case, in I wouldn't go for the Alpha
2: Fly, because you are going to need stability when you're dodging around cops. So I would uh... yeah. go... <laughs> well, I would say this one, that like, you know, one mile,
0: if that's really the only thing you want to do with it, you don't need to spend loads of money on a really expensive one. I'd go for, you know humor you could even get something like liberate
2: nitro 2, oh, i honestly like think over a mile on a flat straight course you uh will probably find i mean the the gu- a gust of wind that day will make more difference than the shoe you're wearing probably <laughs> all
0: right okay john coppin yeah. says which one would you choose between this is an interesting one because I, I couldn't quite work out what the aim was which one would you choose between the shift two and the ride 15 oh, shift two um,
1: shift shift two yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Unexpected. Is that do- I mean, depends what yeah. you're doing with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would choose the ride fifteen for anything, but um, Shift Two's got a bit more stability in it. That's essentially what you're getting out of the, the Shift Two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't absolutely love the Shift Two. To be honest, I think the ride fifteen is a very versatile shoe. I think in terms of what you could potentially do with it. So if you were looking for something with a bit more versatility, I think, and also giving you, a, you know, a good, I think that can work for a little bit of tempo stuff, but not massive amounts. I think that, I'd probably go for that.
0: Okay. Uh, Keith, just Keith, says, uh, <laughs> would you recommend these to run a
2: marathon in? Uh, thanks. And that is the Float Ride Energy 4. 4, so the previous version, again. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, they're not as comfortable uh, and high in cushioning as a lot of shoes these days. I think it's particularly under the forefoot. So if you're someone who ever experiences a bit of forefoot fatigue, then you know you, you might want a shoe that has a bit more cushioning under the front. They're pretty Good lightweight cushion daily trainer that's very good value. Um, they aren't in the league, same league as a carbon plate running shoe, and uh, there are non plated shoes I prefer, things like the Rebel or the Hokamak 5. Um, but uh, that's the New Balance Rebel B3, uh, that is uh, yeah, that I mean, that you could certainly run a marathon in them. Um, it's really dependent on what your aims are, I'd say. But yeah, the only thing I'd say is there might be a bit of discomfort under the forefoot compared to some other shoes just because they're a little bit lower stack there than a lot of shoes these days
0: okay, okay. Uh, Russell Beaucamp says do you think Triumph if you want to do most runs is better than New Balance 1080 yes yes <laughs> okay that's easy yeah, I <laughs> uh, Marco S says can you guys test the New Balance Propel V4 we'd love to I'll take, haven't got it yet I'll
1: take, I'll take this maybe
4: maybe <laughs> <laughs> For sure
2: it does look quite a cool shoe it's, it's good value but it's a uh, I mean, I can tell right now, Mike, obviously, he's been injured. And when I had my little injuries, yeah. it's in, this is obviously a massive first world problem. I love my job. I love what we do. But it's so stressful when you're injured and like three pairs of shoes arise from a cry.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, okay,
0: Paul Delaney says, How does it compare to the Elite? That's a Liberate Nitro 2. I'm not quite sure which Elite's this. The Puma, Puma Elite. The elite. Puma Elite, yeah. I just get confused then. Uh, the Well, it's. Doesn't have a plate in it. It's very, very flexible, lightweight shoe. Feels very natural. Feel very close to the ground. That's it, really. It's it's basically it's as lean a shoe as you can get with a little bit of cushioning on. Cushioning on. So it's very different than the elite, actually. There you go. Jarek Ma Two says. One doubt I have on the 965 is how good is wake-up gesture? I love that I can always see the time, even with a very little move or no move of my wrist. How did you find this?
1: I can take this because I use my watch mainly without the always-on display, and it's very, very good. I think it's better than most smartwatches that are really you know, big up that feature on their smartwatches. And I, for me, it's very, very good. So. I don't know how Nick you
2: found. Uh, yeah, I, I, it I use it for a little design. bit. I would turn the oars on display on myself if you are really yeah. wanting to look at... If you want to look at the time with the least amount of movement possible, if you really want to test that boundary, I would leave the oars on screen <clears> on <throat> and you can see it from any angle. But I do like that. I like, I like not having to move my arm to see the time. That's exciting. So, um, <laughs> it's good. I, I think it's good. Yeah, go. but it is, it is pretty snappy. I will say that. Definitely, yeah. I would it would be fine for daily uses, I'd say. Uh, and in the run, I'd definitely have oars on on though because I don't want yeah, any uh, delay on stats.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, Stefan X360 says, uh, Garmin 4 on a 265 or 965 running. <laughs> assuming Which is the best for running?
1: Well, we've got a video on this. God, so um, oh, God, nice. Let's save ourselves some time there. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Watch the video. Definitely, have a, definitely have a look at the video and we'll give you a very clear, succinct uh, response there. Read Matt. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay. And then finally, Paddy True Tri, Tri, Triheat says, uh, I need your help, guys. I was eyeing the endorphin pro 3 but there is a big sale on metaspeed sky plus right now Ooh. don't know which to buy
1: oh oh two of my favorite shoes it
0: comes down to price for me I, if they were the same yeah. price i'd get pro 3 if the metaspeed sky is 20 30 pounds cheaper yeah you'd be fine with it what if it's 2.99 cheaper Tom? <laughs> what's I, the 20, 20 pounds is my buffer for the for the endorphin pro 3 if 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 anything fits within that, I'm getting the Pro Three.
1: I feel like you might get a little bit more life from the Pro Three if you're using mm. it more regularly. Personally, I think so. Based yeah. based on kind of my testing of them today. What's your buffer, Mike? Yeah.
2: What's my buffer? Your pound buffer. Think... Tom's given his only no, pound buffer. Uh... We're going to start adding this into know. all videos.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
2: Uh, i don't
0: know <laughs> <laughs> I don't spot I <laughs> he, he wasn't prepared for a buffer question i
3: don't have a pound but i wasn't prepared <laughs>
0: stressed him out now uh all right, so all right that'll do for questions this this uh this month all Right, what we got coming up on the channel uh running shoes the full list that has been on my list for a while but we've been waiting for a few shoes to come in mm. so uh the vaporfly three uh, and there's a couple of other ones that we've been waiting to come in. So now we've got pretty much all of them. We're ready to go. So hopefully we share that out in uh, May. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's going to be some big changes in that one from uh, from from the last one we did. And then we've got Mike. You've got running watches.
1: Yeah, well, I think we were we were planning to do this, and then Garmin launched the, these two new four so we had to wait for those. So yeah. I think all the big, big, big watch launches, running watch launches have kind of... Well, you say this, done, Mike. I think. I, think I, I was. I, uh, think, I,
2: asked, I, I, asked, I was talking to Garvin at the London Marathon Expo, and uh, I no! think basically... <laughs> remember what What is it world running day is like june 2nd and it's, and it's like oh. the 40th anniversary of four or 20th anniversary of four let's get this out this month because there are more watches <laughs> get, there's going to be some more annoying watches
1: this will be part one this will be part one yeah Stage, and then we'll do a part two. we we'll do best garmin later
2: in the year anyway to hoover up the yeah, yeah. instinct 2x solar or some nonsense
0: uh okay uh the other thing's got this running headphones can't remember who's picking that one up. Do all but, this yeah. this month? I'm on paternity. leave. Uh, they're not all. They're not all <laughs>
3: next. They're all next month. These are these are coming up. Yeah. coming up. Um, I've got headphones, everyone... <laughs> so and they after 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 what feels like an eternity with a lull. There are actually some new ones out, which is uh, yeah yeah. It's been nothing, has there?
1: Yeah,
2: it's it's been, really
3: I've
1: not, got yeah. a lot. I've got a lot of bone conduction headphones I'm testing yeah. at the moment. I so. got a set of it's
3: bone conduction solid. headphones. that I asked
2: them about their main feature and said this doesn't seem like it's legal, and they've not replied. So <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: we
2: can about it. essentially, the headphone equivalent of taping the top forty off the radio that those headphones had.
1: Oh, I think I might <laughs> be getting those in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're also. Uh,
2: I won't name the name, but they're also dreadful in terms of battery life and build. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to cover <laughs> them.
0: Okay, uh, cushion shoes. Will I'll be picking up uh, at some point. Um, uh, best Half Marathons, that's on my list. And then we've got the Nike Pegasus 40 review video coming up as well, which um, I'm sure many people are excited uh, about watching. Uh, so if you want, to, if you listen to this and you want to get in touch, you can email us at team at com, or you can get us on Instagram at theruntesters uh, or theruntesters on YouTube. Thanks for listening or watching. Catch you next time. This episode of the podcast was presented by Nick harris Fry tom wheatley mike saw and kieran Alger. the podcast was produced by tom wheatley the music was by fear of tigers